So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, for tuning in, for listening. If you're on your drive into work, drive safe. If you're just relaxing at the end of a day's work, I hope it was productive. My name is Ben Hartley, uh, your host here, of course. Um, the entire purpose of this podcast is to help you grow your business. Uh, we have a wedding photography studio here in Columbus, Ohio, uh, and just absolutely love the opportunity that we get to uh, to serve our clients as photographers. And, and we know you do too. This is why you're growing your business. This is why you're living your passion. And so thank you so much for being here. Look, today I'm so jazzed. You guys, I am so jazzed. So a few of you know this actually about myself. I was an oil painting major through college, right? That's my degree. My degree is in oil painting. And then this whole photography thing came about later. Uh, and today's guest is a painter, right? Today's guest is, is a painter, experimental photographer. I'm talking about Kirsten Pressler, you guys. After having worked with hundreds of, of fellow creatives and then being one, of course, herself, she discovered that the starving artist myth, it's trapping us. It's paralyzing us. And it's time that we learn how to step up and learn to let go. Like I, I got a chance to kind of talk with Kirsten here a little bit in the pre-roll. And she was talking me this crazy story that she moved to Holland. She moved to a new country. She didn't speak the language, was forced to adapt, learn the language. She ended up meeting her husband there all for the purpose of going to art school. Uh, so there's going to be some really fun stories to learn. And so we're going to jump right in and talk to Kirsten. Hey, Kirsten, how are you? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm perfectly fine. It's beach weather here <laughs> now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. What, so where are you? Where are you? Are you still in Holland right now? We're actually right now on the border, like right on top. Our backyard is Dutch. Our house is German. <laughs> and um, yeah, we live now here with um, as a family because we speak both languages. Like uh, in-house, it's Dutch. Outside, it's German. And this gives us the opportunity to give our son both experiences, both um, cultures, both languages. Yeah, that's wild. So now how old is your son now? Um, three and a half, and he's really um, sassy <laughs> yeah. and uh, active. Like he's quite a bit. 
He's a three-year-old. I love it. So I actually have a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. So I am 100% on board. I know what you're dealing with. I mean, relatively, obviously, you know, everyone's a little bit different. But I get it. I get it. I'm there with you. Look, Kirsten, we got to talk. Oil painter. So what kind of medium are you in, painting-wise? I'm using acrylic paint and a lot of more um, self-mixed paints. So I use a lot of pigment. Yeah, with medium and stuff, so to make it stick. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Painter to painter. So walk me through this process. I think, you know, when when you, uh, even at least for myself, when I decided to, to go into school as an oil painter, right? Like, I feel like there's just lots of questions <laughs> like, what does that look like? What are you going to do as an oil painter? <laughs> like, how does this play out? Let's talk long term here. Can you walk me through why you decided to not just go to art school, to not uh, like um, pursue painting, but to also move to a new country you didn't know the language uh, in order to do it? I don't know. (laughs) I always wanted to um, move far away in a different country. It probably freaked out my parents even or quite as much as like me saying I want to study fine art. Probably it's been the same freak out. And first I applied to um, schools in the US, in the UK. Um, but then we figured out, oh, shoops, this is going to be a bit too expensive, like way too expensive. <laughs> so um, I applied to um, Holland and Prague in, in, in Czech Republic. I don't know how to say it in, in, in English, like, Czech Republic, is that right? Like Prague. And yeah, uh, Groningen, which is in the Netherlands, has been the quickest. And I was just, okay, apparently I'm going there. Um, And just went. It's just, I don't know. I I don't even know how my parents dealt with it because I just thought, okay, um, dad, I need your car for um, three days. And my best friend is going to drive me there with all my stuff that I packed up in this little family car and we drove there and packed everything out. They didn't even ask me where I'm going to stay. Like, I don't know. They had a leap of faith or something in me. So they just let me move 10 hours away and figure this thing out. And it's been the best thing that ever happened to me because I can tell you, if you move to a country you've never been before, you don't speak the language, you have to do to figure out everything on your own and things go wrong. Like inevitably, if you move out, things go wrong and you don't have someone to fall back on when you're 10 hours away, being confronted with stuff that your parents can't understand. And then also being confronted with something like at school, which is really like completely different than everything my parents ever imagined um, in their wildest dreams. Like, I don't know. My father's a lawyer. My mother is a bookkeeper. So they're pretty traditional. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I I just did it. And it has been so good, so good for um, ensuring yourself you can do it and you can take care of yourself and you can figure things out and you can find the right people to surround yourself with. And actually, like within the first week, I met my husband, which has been a big blessing. Not that I planned it, like who goes to college and thinks like within a week, I'm going to find my husband and I'm going to stick with this guy for the rest of my life. Like not really what I had planned. Um, But yeah, things worked out fine. Um, At school was the right decision for me because it allowed me not only to develop my art and my passion and learn techniques, which is all really important. But let's be honest, art school is like... um, 
four years, at least I've been to school four years, um, four years of questioning yourself every single week, having somebody tell you why, but why, why are you doing this? <laughs> yes, <why>? it is. <laughs> and uh, every time you think you know why, then everything gets thrown out the window and they start all over again, but why? And it's been really tough, but it helps you learn so much more than just your um, profession, which is painting. Um, I have been in a pretty broad um, curriculum where we could also learn printing. And I've been experimenting a lot with photography, mainly um, like analog photography. I had my old, my mother had an old Canon and I was allowed to take it and everything. So um It was really broad, which is awesome. But at the same time, it was also every single time you learn something new and you like it, it's the new, but yeah, but why is this now your medium? Yeah, so, but why? That's like the main thing, art school. Go to art school and you learn uh, like to question everything <laughs> all yeah. the time. Yeah, you know, like the, I, I'm sure this is not a universal truth, um, but I do have to address this. I mean, like as an art major, there's just like um, there's an intentionality and an intensity, I think, to let's say a critique, a photo critique, you know, your artwork um, I, that I just have not experienced yet within the general photography community. I know I'm being general here that that, you know, even that statement is is pretty, pretty broad, but there's something I feel like I got pushed so much further, so much harder. Um, like no, there was no excuses. There was no, like, there was no one there letting me off the hook. Um, where I think generally, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I think generally the photography community is very graceful in terms of, um, allowing, um, I may, maybe it's just like allowing people to get away with like a like bull. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I see some of the, the posts online or, or even in classes, you know, I did some just like straight photography classes and the critiques were always so like accepting of just like whatever it was. And there wasn't that why, but why are you doing this? What's the purpose? What's the value? What's the point? Um, I don't know. And, and again, this is what was my personal experience with it. But I, here's what I like about you. Um, you're a creative business owner. Like, and if you're a photographer listening to this right now, please don't tune out just because the, you know, we're talking with an oil painter right now, like you're a creative business owner It's and how much, like, candidly, how much more so in terms of the difficulties that you're overcoming as an oil painter. I, and I can say this from personal experience, I, 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 I tried Kirsten, I tried <laughs> doing the whole like oil painting route here in the Midwest And, uh, and eventually I ran out of people to like buy oil paintings from like, it's, 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 it's so hard. And I bet my gut says that if you're a photographer listening to this, let's say you're a wedding photographer, portrait photographer, commercial photographer, if you experience self-limiting beliefs, if you experience fear, if you experience anxiety over pricing and, and understanding your own worth um, and valuing yourself enough to charge that, uh, if you believe that the artwork that you produce is serving other people, and if you struggle with that type of stuff, man, like how much more so when you're when you're an oil painter, I guess is what I want to say. I'm trying to yes. really give you major credit here, Kirsten. Walk <laughs> Thank me you through this. How, how on earth? How on earth have you stepped out? What did this process look like to go from to go from the university graduating and then actually turning your painting into a business? I don't even understand the process that that would look like. 
Yeah. Um, so um, first of all, I must say, I never bite into, of course, it's been around me, the stuffing out of this, but I never bite into. I always believe from the bottom of my heart that I could make this work because yeah. there was no other option. And if you have no other option, you figure things out. You need to make it work. So um, when I went to Holland, I had to learn the language because otherwise I couldn't study there. So I made it happen. Like when you get a baby, like I'm a mother now, um, you figure out how to deal and care with this for this little thing because you have no other chance. There is no way you can't get out of this. You're Once you're in, you're in. So that is something, a decision you need to make. And I think that is the place where you need to start. And I come out of a family. I've grown up so protected. Like, seriously, my, my father is a lawyer and he worked really hard and he made sure we didn't have to go through the same struggles he went through as a kid and as a young adult um, trying to finance his studies and everything. He made sure we had um, a great start. I didn't have to worry about food or anything in my childhood and also not going through college, even though he was really against what I was doing. He still supported me and, and financially especially. So um, that was something I knew I wanted to to give um, on to my kids, but also I knew I didn't want to go back. Like, you don't want to struggle. <laughs> yeah. It's like, who cho choose to, who's going to choose to struggle? So um, that was something I went with this knowledge. I need to figure out how to make things work into my art study. So it hasn't been an afterthought, even though um, the moment I started my business, actually, it was not really, um, I wasn't going into it, like in 2013, um, during my study, I've been still in art school. I decided, okay, let's do this. Let's just um, start selling my work. Um, and it worked out. And then people started me to ask, oh, what are you actually doing? How do you do that? So I started to teach other people that were um, in art school with me. And then the art school I um, studied at asked me to teach fellow students which has been kind of crazy to go to art school but at the same time teaching people that too and yeah I just stayed open and the decision to be in there to make it happen I think that's the most important thing and it's a mindset thing this is that this has nothing to do with learning the right business strategy it has nothing to do with all the things even though they're really important like let's be honest without good bookkeeping without um, putting yourself out there, doing marketing and all those things and learning it, nothing will work. But without you making the choice to be determined to um, get knocked down because you will anyways, um, to choose that this is going to be what you're doing and you will make it work, that's the most important thing. Just choosing. So it's and making it's that choice. decision first. It's like committing first. What do you say to the photographer who's listening right now that's like unsure? They're like, I don't know if I want to commit to this. Like, I'm like, I think this could be great. I see other people who are doing really exciting things and it looks like a life that I could get excited about, but I don't know yet if this is where I want to jump in. How, do you have any advice for testing those waters? Yeah. So I would go back to like, okay, now I go tell a story and that is what I would say to you. Um, before I went to art school, I was so lucky that I had some people in our local church connecting me with um, an artist we had in my home city. And I was allowed to come to him in his studio and work on his site in the studio. So I've been there with my um, canvases and my paints and everything and just worked there. And I showed him everything I did. 
And one day I um, showed in my stuff and then asked him, okay, so do you think I should go to art school and I should do this, become a painter, become an artist? And he was like, I can't tell you. I can't tell you you should. Either you have to or you have not to do that. But if you don't have to, don't do it because then it's not going to work. And that is what I will tell you. Either you have the drive, you have the, like for me, there wasn't another option. I couldn't imagine to do anything else. That I, I don't know. I, like if I, I even was so far into this decision, I can tell you that um, I moved out of my parents' house for a while because my dad was so against it because he wanted to protect me. Um, that I couldn't take it any longer. And my decision was, I'm going to do this anyways. And you either support me or not, but I will figure something out to make it happen. That's like, of course, let's be honest. I did this with 19. If you're 30 and you have a family to take care of, um, <laughs> that move is going to be quite a bit harder because you have more responsibility. You're less naive about what is going to come. Um, that's like the fun thing when you're 19, you don't see everything coming. Um, but that is the one. If you don't feel like you have to, then don't. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's actually really interesting advice. It's like, if you're not all in right now, then like, don't even step into it. And I think it's like, um, at the same token though, man, I get it. I, I, I totally agree with this, this thought process of like, um, you gotta want to run a business. Because in the end of the day, that's what it is. I mean, I mean, yes, it's your art and it's exciting, um, and and you get to do something that you love every day. But you also have to run a business, and that idea has to excite you. Like that has to get you stoked. Um, and if you're not totally bought in on that, oh man, it, it it may not be the best choice. But I guess still, I sometimes I just to go back, I think that there is still that time where you're just not yet, you're not really sure exactly what this could look like. Um and I think you're right. When you're 30 and, and you've got a family, you've got a wife or a kid or a husband, whatever it may be, um and uh and you're working a day job, you've got bills to pay. I think it's just it's it's keeping your main dish. Uh, it's keeping your your day job. It's not quitting necessarily right no, off the bat. For some people, it is jumping two feet forward. But I think to get practical here, it's just it's it's pursuing it. It's that like nine p.m. to two a.m. Or if you're the morning person, it's like the the five a.m. to nine a.m. schedule Absolutely. where you're, where you're yeah. building this side thing and seeing is this you're testing and you're learning. You're testing and learning, and then at a certain point, you jump. Yes. And what I don't mean with what I have said is you have to jump right away, full foot, everything, like cut everything loose. Not what I mean. I mean, you need to make the decision completely to go for it. And this is a decision you need to make every single time. Like we all go through good patches and like rough patches. And um, every single time when you go through a rough patch, you need to decide again, am I still fully in? Is this what I want? And you can every single day change your mind. But for the time being, as you're going for it, for it go all in. And that doesn't mean um, stop paying your rent and, and, and like getting rid of your job if you can't afford your living yet from your passion. Um, don't do that. That is really stupid. It will just stress you out. It will stress out everyone around you. And um, you probably will lose your creativity because you get afraid. 
So don't do that, but make a clear decision. And if you don't have that, that, that gut feeling that you need to do this, that you will regret it if you wouldn't try it, then maybe don't do it. And I know this is really not a pop. I, I, right now it's like, um, become an entrepreneur. This is cool. It's something for everybody. It's not something for everybody. Like you really need to choose this. And I know, for example, like my husband, he's a really smart dude, but he really could not do that because he don't want to like this, how I have to handle things is not what he's dreaming about. Like, calling all the shots, having nobody tell him when to be where. And um, he's a team, like he's a manager <laughs> in his organization. So he also has people he's responsible for. But at the same time, he still has somebody else that is checking in with him. And he's not going to be in alone in an office working on his own stuff all the freaking time, which is what I do. And yes, I have team members now. But when you start, you don't have team members. You're on your own. This is just you. And your paint, your camera, whatever it is. And let's be honest, like the, <laughs> that's also something romantic. And I, I don't want to be the bummer here on your show, but um, let's be honest, like um, you shoot weddings. So um, you're there one day shooting the wedding, maybe one and a half, like the night is still there. Um, but then you have the preparation, which is going to be a lot of time. You have the invoicing, you have all the things that go around, like the preparation, you have the, um, at the end, getting your materials ready to um, edit the images, you have all those things. So the actual creative work, yes, the editing is creative too, but the actual work of being a photographer shooting is a small amount of time. All the other things take a ton of time. And that's the same with being a painter. Yes, I paint every single day. Um, it's necessary also for my process because I work really wet and it needs to dry. But at the same time, I have a ton of stuff that I just do on the computer. Yeah. And you need would to you want describe, that. I, I want to switch gears here for a second. How would you describe... Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the starving artist myth, but I guess I, I, I would love to hear... Maybe your definition of it, you know, or, or where it comes about. I mean, what, what is your commentary? How would you describe um, the starving artist myth? Okay, like um, everybody knows that. And you also touched on that in, in, in the beginning. Um, is that, that you, go, you go to a party, you're invited, you go to a family gathering. And then people ask you, yeah, but how do you make a living? Like, is that even possible? Can you make a living? And... Um, that questioning and that cultural um, way of seeing a creative, that is what I mean with the staffing artismus. And the staffing artismus is not only in um, the culture right now, in the people that aren't creatives, but it's also that thing um, when we look right back into history, you had Rembrandt. He was actually making a ton of money and he was a creative entrepreneur. And then came the romantic period and people started saying, no, no, you need to be a starving artist. You need to be like, oh, how is he called? Caspar or something like a French uh, painter that he was really struggling and he was depressed and he needed to be in this romantic um, springing over the edge type of mood. And that also um, went through in how he lived financially and stuff. So I think we still have that romantic idea of being a starving artist and struggling and not making ends meet. And the idea, like if you close your eyes right now and you imagine how does the starving artist, no, not the starving artist, how does an artist look for you? What do you see? Do you see someone with a Ferrari, right? You know, 
Or do mm -hmm. you see someone with a, a bit of torn up clothes and paint all over them and um, like more um, having an old jacket and <laughs> eating a baguette or something? Um, it's more like that vision we have. That is something we need to get rid of because it's holding us back. We don't see us as the person that is totally thriving when we imagine an artist, a creative. But that is actually what we can make happen if we want to. But it's that's also a choice. You can choose to be a struggling artist. If it's fun for you, go for it. Um, for me, it's not so fun. Like telling my son, no food today, not so fun. <laughs> yeah, I think there's this, um, it's like a martyrdom. It's like a, through the process of suffering, the work somehow becomes more valuable or the, yes. the service that you provide your clients becomes more valuable. And I think it's actually large in part, I mean, I love the description that you gave. I, I think it's, it's so much tied to shame. This idea of if I make money doing what I love, if I make money creating artwork, I mean, creating something out of nothing, but it's purely coming from me. What, like, what value is there in that? There's like a shame attached to that of, of making money. I mean, even the idea of like six figure photography, like the idea of a certain income is, it, um, has a negative, uh, a negative reaction so often. Um, it's just a, it's, yeah, it's fun. I mean, even as you ask that question, there's a little bit of like a litmus test there of like when you close your eyes and you think about, uh, an, you know, an artist, what do you envision? And um, it was just interesting, the the, the vision that I had. I, I, I think this would be a really, a really fun uh, <laughs> test to like ask a group of your photographer friends, you know, like what does that look yes. like for you? Um, and but that so also helps you. Like when you see what you imagine, then you also know where you want to, like, um, not in the beginning, but uh, when you let loose of that um, preconception and you close your eyes and actually imagine how you would like to have it, then you can see what you want. And most of the time it doesn't even involve so much money because like, let's be honest, we don't like my dream is actually not as expensive as, as you would imagine. Like my dream is having a beautiful house with my family, with a garden, taking care of my kid, being able to go on holidays, um, those kind of things. It's, it doesn't involve a Ferrari. Podcast listeners, I apologize for interrupting the interview, but I just I have to give a shout out to two big supporters of the industry, two big supporters of the SFP podcast. And so I'm going to be brief here. The first is the Giphy booth. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, it is essentially a photo booth, but it is a modern, fresh, uh, new take on a photo booth. It makes animated GIFs and photographs. Now, here's the deal. I'm a working wedding photographer. I am not a photo booth owner. And I want you guys to understand this. This is perfect. If you are a photographer first, out shooting events, uh, portraiture, that type of thing, this booth is amazing because it requires so little work. Like I've, I've had other photos. I still own another photo booth, but the Giphy booth is the thing that I love because I just get to set it up in under five minutes. It, it's like a, it's the size of like a laptop bag, essentially. Um, it automates everything once you're done with an event. Uh, it's such an easy upsell. And one of the great things about it is, because it takes so little overhead to actually run uh, an event that I essentially get to pass that savings on to my client. And so I can I can charge less for it, do more events and remain so much more stress-free. It also has like built-in marketing tools. You guys just need to check it out. It is called the Giphy Booth. Go check it out at giphy.com, G-I-F-O. 
yyy.com, three Y's, G-I-F-Y-Y-Y.com. By the way, use the coupon code SFP2017 for some dope discounts. Maybe just mention my name, dude. You know, Ben Hartley, SFP2017 uh, is the code uh, to go check this thing out. I own one, and I promise you I'm buying another this year as well. Next up on my thank you list is Freedom Edits. You guys, look, the end of the day, you can't grow your business if you are doing everything. It's just a... It's a fact that we all have to face. And to have somebody who's doing the bulk editing, by the way, when I say bulk editing, like I get to still, you get to still choose to edit the photographs that you want to edit, the beautiful portfolio shots, the stunning bridal portraits, whatever it is that you get excited about, please keep editing that. But all of the bulk stuff that slowly kills your soul, please go check out Freedom Edits and have them take care of it because they're going to give you consistent results with personal touch. This is the thing. It's the personal touch. Like the intentional decisions that that uh, Freedom Edits, by the way, in-house editors, not like outsourced, in-house editors make, I freaking love because they're actually making intentional creative decisions and not just doing these like robotic choices where you get images back and you're like, why did they expose for that? They like, like any normal creative would have understood that there was an off-camera flash and and done this right. Freedom Edits will do it right, you guys. I freaking love them. Go check out Freedom Edits. By the way, uh, it's freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. That's where you need to go. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free, you guys. Again, just mention my name, Ben Hartley. They're going to give you the first full wedding free. Like, Do you want to save a couple days this week? Then go do this right now. Freedomedits.com forward slash Ben Hartley. Hartley. All right, let's get back to the show. What I was wondering is for you, like we have been in art school and thinking about like when I ask questions about how, okay, and now how would you sell that to my um, teachers? It's been like um, you're asking them to sell their soul. I don't know if that was the same experience for you, but I feel like when you come from art school, It's like they teach you to not want to sell your stuff because that's called dirty. It's um. So are you, I, are you suggesting that it's um a sellout? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Like you're selling out in the process of of selling artwork with a price tag on it? Yes, that's how the teachers in my art school, at least in Europe, is it uh, a lot of um that um where in art school you get taught don't worry about selling it. That yeah. selling is not important. Making. Right, so then if, if the starving artist mentality, the starving artist myth is so ingrained and in, it's even like a, it's a cultural thing, it's being prescribed to us, it's prescriptive. So we've grown up in, and, and, and that's where our mind is, is filled with. We've got ties to shame in regards to making money. And a lot of this probably depends on your parents and how you were raised and how they dealt with money. Like, how do you begin to look inside, look within and, and to move past this, like to overcome this? Yeah, that's a lot of self-reflection, um, diving into yourself and asking yourself the hard questions, which is like um, one thing I would totally recommend everybody that is listening is buy yourself a notebook like the old school paper one. Don't type it out on your computer because I don't know why, but somehow when uh, the pen hits the paper, your brain works differently. So um, just journal about specific questions like um Why do I think I can't make it as an artist or as a photographer or whatever it is your creative passion is about? It doesn't really matter what type of creative work you're putting out there. We all struggle with the same questions and self-doubt. 
It's like, it doesn't matter which medium. Yep, absolutely. So this is actually really fun. I love what you just you spoke about. There is something I want to encourage listeners to go check out. It's called the five minute journal. Yes. And, and this is, I think it's like 20 something bucks. Man, if you want to have a, like a $20 investment that will encourage and challenge you and will actually make you a different person in a year, uh, I really would recommend this. And obviously there's no magic bullet, but like a, a journal, like I'm terrible at writing. I'm terrible at setting aside time to actually uh, to write and to think and to process, Kirsten. Uh, and so this has helped me. It's helped to kind of allow me to set aside just five minutes at the beginning of the day, five minutes at the end of the day. And, and, and to be full of gratitude, to be full of gratitude and envisioning, uh, visualizing who, <laughs> who I am, like who I want to be, like, what am I, what is the embodiment that I'm going to step into my next day with? Um, it's man, it, it's one of those things that, uh, what's it called? Um, the, hold on. There's this, uh, there's this, uh, rule, um, the, okay, I'll, I'll describe it and then I'll come up with the name in one second. Um, so there's this, this rule that says like, it's like when you buy a car, I just got a new black Honda, you know, Odyssey or whatever it is. Um, and as soon as you do this, right, as soon as you purchase one of those, now as you're driving down the road, all you see are, is that same vehicle. Do you know what I'm talking yes, about? Absolutely. Um, and it, it's called the retina something or another effect. Yeah. I, um, I know what just, you mean. I don't know how it's called. <laughs> Sorry, we'll look at it. I'll get it in the show notes. But this is one of those things that um, it's the same thing with gratitude. When you start your day with gratitude, when you end your day with gratitude, when you continually remind yourself of of who you want to be, uh, who you want to become, like you actually start noticing it more and and becoming more of that. And it's, it's, it's I just love that effect. Yes, I think gratitude is really important, but it's also like writing about the, the hard questions. So if you're right now struggling about money, then write about why you're struggling about money and just let it come to you and just write down, don't judge. Like this is like a no judgment zone. Just write it down. And sometimes you write really weird things, but most of the time at the end, it's like something head on and it really helps you to move forward. So for example, like um, you then will write down, maybe um, memories like in your past, how did people talk about money and how did they spend? And that has big influences on you. And if you journal about it and write about it, you will um, discover and you will also see like, oh, this was someone, an adult telling a kid and this has nothing with to do with me anymore as an adult um, spending my money because that has something been something I've been um, struggling with. Like people told me like, you can't handle so much money, but it was actually like you as a child shouldn't ha handle all the money you have in your savings account, which is probably right when you're a six year old. But um, that belief isn't serving you as an adult, like spending your money, you need to be in, in touch, responsible, and you can do that. Yep. Kirsten, the, the stuff that we're talking about, it's like introspection, like self-awareness. How do like, apart from journaling, writing, processing, do you have advice for like this type of perspective, this type of internal self-talk and introspection? I mean, like how else do we go about doing this? Because it's, in, it takes intentionality, but at the same token, like someone who's listening to this, they're like, okay, great. Like overcoming self-limiting beliefs. I understand that it's, it's real that I need to do it. But like, where do I begin? I mean, yeah, I can write all damn day, but like, really, what is that going to do? Where do I begin? 
Okay, so I would absolutely recommend you to um, find someone around you that is talking about mindset stuff. Um, I don't know if you know Jess Lively, The Lively Show. No, I don't. Um, that's a podcast and it's for free. So people just go there and listen to it. And I know in the beginning it might be really woo-woo, <laughs> but um, hearing people talk about their development and how they discovered more flow in alignment, those are things I'm right now striving to because um, when you're actually aligned with your actions and what you have to do, then you show up great. Like, I mean, right now I have taken the time to um, get rested before I jump on the call with you here and taking the time to um, slow down and be just here. And then I can bring my best best work. I can actually um, really process your questions and go for it. And that is something we need to strive for. So if you want to learn more about that, check out The Lively Show. Of course, you can come join me on the Sparkling Creative uh, community. That's also in the podcast where I'm talking about those kind of things because um, in the past half year, I've dove more into the mindset work before I focused more on like here, learn social media marketing. And I know that's still important and I still teach it. But I feel like this mindset stuff and going into it and going into the deep and talking with people about it, because it's not just um, the journaling part is really important. But sometimes you need someone else that is outside asking you the questions you never thought of asking yourself. Yeah. And those will really change up everything for you. And I think that is something you need to just go out there. Another thing I would recommend you go to script. Um, I don't know if you know script that's um, mm -mm. it's like audible for books. Like I'm okay. really not affiliated or anything. I just love their stuff um, yeah. and just start listening to a couple of books. And I can just mention them here, here and, 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 or read them. Um, that will totally help you help you go into it. And one of Throw them a is titles. Yes, Rising Strong from Brennan Brown, which is actually one that I'm reading right now. Um, then um, Being a Badass with Money. I don't know if you know that. I do. Um, it talks a lot about shame and regards to money. Um, who, remind me, who's the who's the author of that? It's the girl. Um, um, I, oh, I, one I second. I'll, we'll get in the show here. notes. Jen Sincero. There it is, Jen, yeah. Um, then the year of yes from um, Shane Shonder, Shonda Rhimes. Sorry, um, Shonda Rhimes. The year of yes is something I would totally um, recommend. Um, all the Tony Robbins stuff. I know he's like already kind of cliche, but I think it's important to go with this route. So um, I'm just scrolling here. Um, um, Paolo Coelho, like the Alchemist. Okay. I don't know if you know that book. It's like more a novel, but I felt it's been really um, good and a game changer. Like, yeah. So if you just look for those people and other books they have written, then you will definitely find more into the direction of um, mindfulness and going into the mindset stuff. And Chess Lively, I for me, she's been um, really important on this more. Um, mindset and overcoming all those stupid struggles um way so pat she, she's really been helpful 
Nice. I'll have to check that out. I think too, like something that, that has become a very practical thing for me in 2018 is to actually bring on a coach, like to, to, that, yeah. <laughs> like to invest in, in, in an actual coach. And it, like, again, it goes back to this idea of like that there's like a clicheness or a cheesiness or, or something, but like to actually have a life coach. And I guess it comes down to this. If I understand that, like, um, this is all I've, this is all I got right? This is my mm-hmm. life. This is my one, this is it. You know what I'm saying? And that, um, greatness doesn't happen in a vacuum. Greatness doesn't come about alone in isolation. And obviously there's moments where that, that pattern breaks. Um, but that the most, um, extreme moments of growth and change and development and maturity and joy in life are, are surrounded by being challenged. And, um, uh, It's like, why not? Like, why not? And man, it like, it's one of those things that I've seen the results. Like I've seen how I've, um, how I've changed and how I've grown. And even if it's, even if it's just for me, my gosh, it's been, it's been so powerful, uh, to, to actually have that. Um, and I mean, as a, um, entrepreneur and a creative, especially, um, your business is your life and your life is your business which sounds so weird, but it is so. And um, it's really important. I think I have already spent more than two, 20K on um, coaches and masterminds and stuff. And I, this money is so well spent, even though when I look at <laughs> like the stuff I get from my um, accountant, it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's been really well spent. And also going to conferences and speaking at conferences, like in the beginning, you want to be a speaker, but um Last year, this time of the year, I've been to the U.S. for two weeks um, to speak in San Diego at a conference, but also to just travel. And the fun thing is, if you actually want to connect with people that are in the same space or you admire, you can just send them actually an email. And funny thing is, I sent out emails and the people I want to meet with actually met with me on this journey so um just do that and reach out and surround yourself with people and find people that are supporters not only of your business but also of you personally so find people that are in the same space as you are i'm part of a group where there are also some other moms and they um i don't know they also have kids throwing up in the car and are annoyed of the mess and stuff so um find people that are in the same space as you are and that will evolve and change but that will help you to have people around you that understand your specific struggles because not everybody has the 80 hour plus week. I I can't do that. That's impossible with the kid for me at least. And um, so I need people that have the same challenges and know solutions for the struggles we have. And that is something you need too. And people that are open to talk to you about the hard stuff and the mindset stuff. And when things go weird and you have no idea why, yeah. I mean, I think the thing that like as artists, as photographers, we're just constantly pouring out into other people. We're constantly pouring ourselves out into our artwork, uh, into our clients, into our leads and just giving, giving, giving. Um, and what having a coach has helped is to, to kind of have somebody be pour back into me. Do you know what I mean? Pour back into us. And look, if you can't get a coach, I get it, but then audit your group, audit your inner circle, audit the people that you surround yourself with. And maybe it doesn't need to be some professional coach, but, but just start putting incredible people in you who have a joy, who have an infectious joy about themselves, who, who have a confidence that they give away rather than an arrogance that they take. Like, I think it's like, if you don't have the money to go hire a coach, 
then maybe you just need to fire the asshats in your group um, and start replacing them with really positive people that can in turn become, it's like your, it's like your own personal little, like um, it's your own inner circle, you know? Yes. And I think um, that is something now here comes the shameless plug. Um, I've started, um, I haven't started coaching people because I, I don't know. They just asked me. So I started it and I actually love it and dove into embracing it and stuff. But um, in the past um, couple of months, I've changed around my offers in order to make sure that I not only serve the people that can afford me one-on-one, -on -one, but we now have um, a version that is like you get access to me, but not one-on-one -on -one in a group version that is actually pretty affordable. So um Look around. There are affordable options out there where you can start out. And when things go better and you make improvements, you can then up and maybe meet with someone monthly and then go into the weekly one on one when you're ready for it. Because in the beginning, when you don't, you, you're not full time spending your money, money on a one on one every single week where you can't implement everything you learn is probably not the wisest decision anyways, because you yeah. can't implement it. Just impossible. Yeah. Totally agree. I totally agree. Kirsten, this has been so awesome. Look, you've already dropped a couple um, hints here, but I, I need to let people know where they can find you, where they can learn more from you. Um, I think you're one of those people that um, that others should be around, right? And so where can the audience go to tune into you and what you're about? Where can they find you online? Okay, so you're right now listening to a podcast. So obviously you like that. So you could hover, hop over <laughs> to the Sparkling Creative Podcast where I put out every single week an episode, an interview or solo episode, or you could check out the Sparkling Creative community and just um, you can find me on kerstinpresslab.com um, online and there is everything connected, the podcast, the community, everything, my Instagram account where I'm Kirsten Pressler. So don't search for the sparkling creative. You probably won't find me. On I love time. it. <laughs> Kirsten, thank you so much for being here, um, for just, uh, spreading more of, of positivity, destroying the, the myth of the starving artist and helping move people forward. I, I just so appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun. <laughs> Yeah. You guys, thank you for listening. I hope that this inspired you, that this encouraged you, that this maybe um, took some ideas, some limiting beliefs that you've had and, and maybe began to open up a new a new idea of, of what else could be true. Um, I really hope so. Um, look, I, I, I want to thank you for listening here, but I also, I don't want this conversation to end here on the podcast. Like I love that you're listening right now, but I also would love to actually have a dialogue with you. And so I want to invite you guys to check out the Six Figure Photography Facebook page because I'm going live. I'm doing live videos like every week I'm on there live. So if you go and you get notifications turned on, you can see when I go live and I would love for you to say hi. I'd love for you to ask a question. I treat every live series as a Q&A opportunity where you can ask live questions and I'll give a live response. And uh, it's a really great interaction. And so either we will see you over on the Facebook community, over on YouTube or on the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Thank you for listening.